If you're an MSP, you know George Bardisi. If you don't, you should. Years ago, while running his own MSP, he saw a void in the voiceover IP market and started a company that is now one of the most well-known, consistently high-rated, unifying communication companies in the industry. He's about to give you business advice. I suggest you listen. Hey, it's Brad Gross coming at you with another Technology Bradcast. If you're a service provider and you want to learn some things, give me a few minutes. You're going to learn a lot. Thanks for joining us for another Technology Bradcast. Today we are speaking with George Bardisi. George is the owner and CEO of Bevoip, one of the highest rated and most innovative voiceover IP solution providers in the industry. He is brilliant and ubiquitous. If you've been to virtually any industry event, then you've seen his booth or his product demos. Today, he's going to tell us why MSPs should not be scared to offer voiceover IP services. And he's also going to give us his secrets to marketing and why letting your customer get to know you personally is a good thing. I'll give you my thoughts after the interview, so hang on for that. Okay, on with the interview. George, it is a pleasure to have you on the Technology Bradcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, before we begin... Oh, happy to be here, Brad. I, I, wait, before you say anything, I want everyone listening to to know that George is a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. So if there are any listeners out there that are Eagles fans, then make sure you connect with George on Twitter because he will give you real-time stats during the season uh, I am a Jets fan, so I accept your sympathies. George, at the end, you'll tell them how to get in touch with you uh, if they are Eagles fans. No, no problem. I, I definitely have my priorities correctly stacked for a Philadelphia, meaning, you know, there's like, you know, God, family, and then like right underneath of that, not even a full step are the Eagles. So, yes, it is definitely part of like the annual planning, right? You Very good. schedule. And you got to have your stuff together. I think it's actually in your business plan. Something about Philadelphia Eagles. I think it is. Moving on, Mr. Bardisi. Tell me a little bit about Bevoip. I mean, most of the people who are listening probably already know you. But for the few out there that haven't heard of you or don't know you personally, tell us about Bevoip, what it does, why your services are consistently at the top of the ratings in the telephony industry. We started this Bevoip, uh, our channel-only uh, company, out of an MSP uh, in Philadelphia, PA. And quite frankly, you know, obviously the industry has grown, it's matured, and then so in some cases regressed. Uh, but ultimately speaking, from an MSP's view, there aren't a lot of good options when trying to find a solution to fit that line item in your bundle of services. And this is why we started Bevoip. You know, we had this pain in our own managed services IT company. You know, we felt like everybody's program was a need to bolt on of a direct sales entity. That meant their program really didn't fit, you know, a square peg round hole. And frankly, the majority of the solution options out there when it comes to this conversation for MSPs just dramatically lack in the, the connectivity, if you would, the, the integratedness of the tools that MSPs use every day to run their business, and then ultimately how they run in a day-to-day to manage their customers. And that's ultimately the core building block, the, the ethos, if you would, of how we started Bevoid. 
you know, we wanted to start a company to solve those problems that I just mentioned, but also make it in such a way that you're not competing with your vendor. And unfortunately, there's just a lot of that out there, the channel conflict, like even Microsoft had it, Dell, whatever. You know, so at the end of the day, our goal is to help the MSP internally, tie all their tools together, speed up their interaction and their, their you know, build their customer happiness, and then ultimately uh, have a good option to plug the gap when offering something to their customers and do that with confidence and do that with the security that they're working with a company that completely understands where they're coming from and we're not trying to compete with them, we're trying to help them. And that was absolutely, I agree with you, that was a void for a very long time. Evoid stepped in, filled that void, and I think that's why everybody knows you and that's why you're everywhere and you're, in, and you're at the top of the market. Let me ask you this. Who has given you the best business advice? Uh, best business advice I ever received, yeah. Say no. It's okay to say no. Uh, the problem, especially with people in technology, is you know they're trying to do too much for too many. And so saying no is some of the best advice I ever received. I received it from somebody who's worked with me for a really long time, uh, Dino Ward, who's my, you know, my, uh, my VP of Ops here. And he basically, you know, before he, we started working with each other, he said, Hey, man, I see you. You're running around everywhere. You're doing too many things. You're talking to too many people. And does it make sense to do that, right? Like, you need to zoom out for a second and say, hey, I want to live a life. There needs to be balance. But I also want to help people make money. And the two have to coexist. But the only person in control of that to a large degree is me and deciding what I'm willing to take on versus what I'm willing not to touch. And so the answer is, it's okay to say no. And in some cases, you should say no before you say yes. And why I say that is because it needs to fit what you're doing. And you need to be able to do it scalably. And if you can't, then don't. So will you actually tell a customer no? In other words, will you let them walk away? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah maybe it's a Northeast thing. I know you're originally from New York, Brad. Yeah, I'm a Philly guy. I'd rather just be up front with people. And it's not like I'm just going to say, no, hang up the phone or walk out the door and that's it. Nobody wants that bad blood out there, so to say. But what I want to do is explain to people, hey, this is where you're at. This is where we are. Here's where you need to be. If you can't see that, if we can't get you here, and it doesn't need to be overnight, but this is where you need to ultimately get to, then we shouldn't do this, and I'd rather just recommend you down another path or work with somebody else that's willing to do that where I wouldn't. And, you know, the end result is me saying, no, this isn't good for either of us. Let's not start down this road because we know it's not going to end well. Yeah, it's great advice. It's not just great advice for MSPs. It's great advice for any business, any service business, knowing when to say no. And, uh, you know, along those lines, other things that are very important to businesses, MSPs, vendors, uh, especially marketing. So I know marketing is huge for you. Anyone who knows George or has heard of Bevoit knows that he sponsors virtually every event worth going to, right? He's on the road. George, you're on the road all the time. Right, you're on the road yeah. some weeks, some months, like every day, it seems. It, it's true. And, there, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of travel, especially in MSP land. It's very event-driven. Despite the current events of coronavirus and planes being empty, you know, events are still happening, believe it or not. And quite frankly, they're never going to go away. And it's just the industry that, that we're in. And, and I don't care whether you're an MSP, a vendor who sells MSPs, any business for that matter. Um, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? 
you know, they say 14 to 18% of your underlying business will ebb and flow year to year because that's just the nature of how business goes. Some grow, some fail, some shrink. It is what it is. So there's a constant effort that needs to happen. And it's very interesting that when you're first starting out, you know, trying to get your business off the ground, you do a ton of marketing and you just throw everything up against the wall. And then you get to enough business at some point, and then you like kind of just stop. Uh, but you can't do that anymore. It's 2020. People, you know, are have this microwave kind of mentality where they'll dump, you know, on the fly if they feel they have a need or they need to go somewhere else, but, you know, because they need something they're not getting. You know, so marketing is a multi-tier thing. You can't just do any one activity. If you like podcasts, great. But podcasts in conjunction with something. If you like webinars, great. In conjunction with something. Are you making phone calls? Great. In conjunction with something. There's like eight, ten different things, activities that aren't super expensive, but you need to actually spend the time to do them on a consistent basis. And I'm going to use that word here with capital and bold, but, you know, consistency. You, marketing doesn't work if you do something for a little bit and then stop, right? You ever talk to anyone who does SEO or AdWords or, you know, just, you know, websites or, or ultimately marketing events, whatever it may be, it takes time. And if you don't give the, the necessary path enough enough runway to, to get to where you're going and you give up too soon, it ultimately doesn't work, right? You need to actually go the distance and think long. Uh, and yes, there's short wins that you can have in between, but in the same token, you need to be consistent. Consistency, number one. Two, there's a lot of little things that all come together to make a marketing plan work. Uh, you don't need to outsource all of them. It just takes time. Uh, that you need to put out at some level. Get up a little bit early, go to sleep a little bit late, put in the time. But I trust, I'm telling you, if you do it and you do it consistently and give it enough time, it'll work. Lastly, you don't need to hire, you know, there's a lot of great marketing companies, especially in the MSP channel, right? There's a ton of them and they all are very good at different things, but you don't ultimately need to do the whole package somewhere else. I would argue that it's more authentic. And you'll have better reward for your time investment and ultimately your dollar investment if you're putting the effort in yourself to a large degree because they want to hear from you. They want to know you. They want to understand what you're about. And while third parties can help take that message maybe further than you can and put some like fire underneath of it, it needs to start with you. And having somebody else create your content, the message that you're trying to ultimately get across may not be there, may be a little bit short. So... My best advice when it comes to marketing is take the time to do it. Even if you're not the best in your company to articulate what you're trying to get across, lean on the people that you work with. You know, not every, you know, different people have different skills. It's not always about what's behind a computer screen. So, you know, you know I, don't hesitate to put yourself out there. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that not only is consistency the key, because very often you'll see companies, MSPs get out there, they'll sponsor an event, they'll publish one article, and then they'll say, where's the business? Well, you have to publish 10 articles. Okay. You have to, you have to do a whole lot more, uh, than just one article or one sponsorship and then, you know, to gain credibility. So that's the first thing. And I think that the other thing that you absolutely are correct on is differentiating themselves by, uh, getting to, getting the customers to know you. I'll put it on myself. A lot of law firms claim to do technology and IT law and so forth. Me, I used to be a hacker. That differentiates me. I understand code. I understand uh, network infrastructure and so forth. I'm not a, a lawyer who just became educated about Windows. So I think that your advice is right on point. People, when they get to know you and they appreciate you, that gives a, gives you a big 
big advantage. Yeah, 100%, Brad. And, that, and I think that's largely where people fall short, right? They're not willing to put themselves out there. And I think that that's where the, the message may not get delivered because it doesn't feel authentic. Right, right. So let me ask you this. I deal with MSPs all the time. And I, and I ask them, do you offer or do you resell a VoIP solution? Any sort of telephony solution. Most of the time, I got to tell you, the answer is no. And when I say, well, why? Why not? They say it's too complicated or it scares me. We're not sure if we could truly support it if something goes wrong. I know that that makes you bristle. I know wherever you are on the other end of this phone, you are bristling. If you were talking to those MSPs, what would you say to them right now? How would you give them solace? Um, yeah, 100%. There's a hybrid. We here at Bvoy preach a hybrid model here in the U.S. You know, where you can offer technology as a service, you can bundle the platform, the software, the, the cloud functionality of what that does safely, no differently than you would sell anything else. I mentioned Office 365, web hosting, whatever. All that tax jurisdiction stuff I mentioned earlier, you know, federal, state, county, local, municipal, FCC, all that stuff is off your, is off your plate in the hybrid model. You're saying because somebody you, else, you guys, problem. do you guys handle that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So what we've done is we've made it quasi turnkey, right? Where we have uh, a handful of providers that we've built this program with. Uh, you select the package that fits your customer best. Um, they bill under their umbrella, right? So they're responsible to collect taxes, fees, regulatory compliance, et cetera. And then you then take the other half of the equation, technology as a service, and you would roll it out into your customer, whether you bill per site, per user, per device, doesn't matter. Uh, but we flipped the script a bit where you can actually break the story apart and, you know, cover, make money off the stuff that's easy to roll out and support, right? Technology as a service. It's done in such a way that one, you have control. And I know a lot of MSPs are worried about not having the necessary control to support the solution. Two, um, you're not on your own. We're not putting you out there on an island saying, figure it out. You have the support behind you, which obviously that's one of the primary, you know, primary things that everybody asks when they choose a vendor. Three, you're not stuck in the telecom. Um, you know, black hole. Uh, and as a result, you know, the government never looks at you as the person to go after if there's an issue because you never sold the end customer that component. It's no different than if the customer moved locations, you called up the local cable company, it's called Comcast or Verizon or, you know, Frontier or whatever, and, and you signed them up for internet. Well, you're not going to rebuild the internet service. You're going to have the carrier build the internet service. You'll get something back on the, on the other side but you're not effectively becoming a middle biller, if you would. And that's really the, the only litmus test the government taxation agencies care about. They follow the paper, and they figure out who is the last guy on the totem pole that invoiced the end customer, the person actually utilizing that service right. for so they, dial tone. So they don't, have to, be scared of, they they don't yeah. have to be scared of all these issues because they have, they have you. Right. This is what you, you do. This is how you jump in. You help them. So it doesn't have to be a scary thing. It doesn't have to be something that, that MSPs have to avoid. No. And, and I, I'd argue that this is something, you know, when, you know, it's interesting, Brad, you say a lot of people you talk to, and I'm sure you talk to a ton, you know, come to you. And when you're doing agreements and master services agreements and you're talking about how to help them, they tell you, well, we don't do it. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that still don't do it. There's, there's a lot of people out there that say, well, I've partnered with somebody. But I really never raise my hand to talk to this with my customer unless they ask. And when they do ask, there's really not a lot of money in it, you know, with the program, the partnership that I've set up with whoever. And so I just really don't spend any time on it. And then like the few that say, yes, 
we have something we've built on our own and we're super gung-ho about it, that's great. So that means the majority of the guys out there either are signed up with someone who, you know, the Me Too offering and they just don't really talk about it unless they absolutely have to, or B, they just don't have anything. And I would argue that MSPs, you know, you're at the point now where, you know, this whole commoditization of IT topic that's its own animal, we have a whole other call on it. I just, it seems like it's something that you just have to have an answer for. Not just to make sure that your customer doesn't get pulled out from underneath of you because somebody else says they can do it all, but also because it's money that's left on the table and in our view, a, a lot of money, not just a little bit that you think is out there that everybody else keeps on talking about, a substantial amount of money that otherwise you're letting go elsewhere. Yeah, so I, I would argue, plug the gap. And solve the problem. Yeah, and make I agree. Money doing it. I agree. They're leaving a lot of money on the table, and, and and along those lines, you know, different people have different thoughts about telephony and and uh, its viability. I remember a few years ago, and you and I were both there at an IT Nation when Arnie Bellini, who was then the CEO of ConnectWise, he famously announced telephony is dead. Arnie, I will say, and I mean it uh, sincerely, brilliant CEO, and he is one hell of a philanthropist. Uh, I mean, he almost single-handedly has put Tampa on the map. And from what I read, he's still doing great charitable stuff. So that's great. But as far as his announcement of telephony was dead, I remember you had a visceral reaction. You tell me, I mean, and shortly after that, I think like Cisco acquired Broadsoft for like $2 billion or something. I mean, you tell me, where is where is telephony going? Where is it going? Number one, you're exactly right. And I guess Arnie just likes to create uh, something to, to stir it up sometimes, or, or did, or probably still does. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. Telephony, um, yeah, with Broad, <laughs> Cisco bought Broadsoft like seven days prior to that that whole event uh, for two billion, and I'd say that two billion, even today, is still not a small amount of money. All things considered, here's the thing: telephony is far from dead, and I think that there is a um, definition mapping that we need to talk about, right? Because you know, if you think about it, there's still, hey, you call off the telephone company or the table company and they show up and they put a box on your wall and all of a sudden your phone rings and that's being delivered in a voice type way today. It's not the copper line coming off the pole mostly, although in some areas of the country it's still very much is the case. And I don't know if he was really mentioning that. And then like the evolution to that is, hey, you know, in a more business type environment, the phone needs to do more than just ringing. There's multiple offices, there's multiple people. How do you bring all this together? And that for a long time was, you know, more additional, you know, box on the wall phone system, right? Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times you've probably all seen the Lucent Partner system on the wall uh, or whatever it may be. And then like more recently, there's this collaborative, you know, definition, right? The, hey, I'm taking a Teams, a WebEx, uh, um, a Zoom, uh, uh, a whatever, right? Some sort of component that actually not just takes, you know, the phone conversation into the equation, but also the video or screen share component, and then also, you know, other components, right? Like yep. chat and mm-hmm. text and fax and all this other stuff. So generally speaking, uh, and maybe that's what Arnie was actually trying to say, uh, although it may not come out that way, I would say that in 2020, and I, this is back in, I think, 2017, but not mm-hmm. that much time has passed. Right. In 2020 today, as we're recording this, 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 this session, yeah, telephony is far, 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 far from dead. You know, the whole idea of telephony has really graduated into unified communications, which then cover a lot of these other categories that I just mentioned. And I agree with you. So, so, so in let me... short, telephony is not dead. <laughs> it's not dead, just in case anyone was wondering. 
So if there's an MSP out there and they're saying, all right, I want to jump in. George, you convinced me. Where can they, Where? Where's? Your, what's your next event? Where are you going to be next? Yeah, that's great. Well, there's been a bunch of event cancellations. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, that's we do, true. yeah, I know it's the whole coronavirus thing and that's like the current topic of the day. So we do a bunch of uh, lunch and learns, you know, with other vendors every month. I think the next set of lunch and learns are in Atlanta and then Charlotte and Raleigh. Do they, uh, do they have Carolina. to be, do they have but, to be clients of yours, customers of yours to attend the lunch and learn or can they call you and, and uh, attend? Of course not. They can, they can absolutely join and every, every vendor that usually comes on board is usually three has their own topic to talk about. It's usually more educational than not. So they can absolutely join us at that. And then I know that there's a bunch of events kicking off now. You know, hopefully if they all stay intact uh, or March kind of lets go and then April picks up. Right. You know, then the event season really starts to pick up, right? Right. So we, we tend to do, like you said earlier on the call, we're usually on the road three to four weeks out of the month. And it's not just domestically here. We actually go to a lot of international events as well. So at the end of the day, you can see where we're going at bboyd.com slash event. Of course, if you're really, you know, that guru Philadelphia Eagles fan, <laughs> like you mentioned, you know, just, you know, find me on Twitter or Facebook, just George Bardisi. There's really only one George Bardisi, so you shouldn't find the wrong one. There line. really is. And there then, is only you know, one George Bardisi. So listen, George, it has been amazing. It is my honor and privilege to call you both a client and a friend, and I really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Yeah, happy that, happy that you invited me on. And, you know, like I said, always happy to chat about the comings and goings in the industry as a whole. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks very much, George. Take care. All right. So what did we learn here from George? I'll tell you what I learned. First, George told us that sometimes saying no to a customer is the best thing you can do. It prevents you from overpromising and can help focus your conversations, which will promote confidence and consistency in your services. Second, George also told us that marketing is a multi-tiered thing. You can't just do one thing and expect results. You have to try things in tandem and see what works. Great advice. One more thing. He told us the importance of doing what you need to do to let your customer get to know you. Not just your services, not your business, but you. Doing that builds relationships, and relationships are the foundation of business. Great advice, George. Thank you for that. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Technology Broadcast. We'll see you next time.